Welcome, my name's Colin. It's great to be here today with you. It sounds pretty boomy. Is that? Is it sounding very, very loud? It's fine, okay. I want to extend my warm welcome to any guests we might have here again today. I want to, it's been said, but I want to say that again. Um, it's great to have James back with us, isn't it? I can't hear it. Wait to, yeah. Second clap. Great. And Hannah, and Hannah. I want to say that. I can't wait uh, to hear him speak to us over the next couple of weeks. I'm sure he's got lots to say, which is going to be great. We've, um, <clears throat> we finished our... <laughs> We've finished our summer series, Now Sing, as was referred to, and it was good, really good hearing different people come and stir us to worship, wasn't it, over the last six weeks. I was challenged by many things that were shared by different people. And the other day, I was uh, singing a little bit louder than normal in the shower, and my wife, Hannah, she said to me, you really love to sing, don't you? And I did, and I do, and I did beforehand, but I, something really stirred in me since to sing more. I feel really sorry for my neighbour. But hey-ho, that's life. We're starting our five-week series now called This Year Let's. This academic year Let's. And there's going to be a number of different Let's for us over this time. And I'm going to be kicking off this morning with Let's Be Devoted to the Lord. Heart and soul passionate for Jesus. Hook, line and sinker going for God. Whether you've holidayed or you're carried on as normal over the summer period, I want to stir us afresh to give our all to Jesus this year. Devoted to him in every area of our lives. I'm not really a very complex kind of guy, so this is going to be a very simple message. I hope it's not going to be very hard to follow, even without the words. I just want to remind us of some things. I want to stir us with passion for Jesus, for believing for fresh adventures in God for us as a venue this year. As we look at being devoted to the Lord, there's going to be plenty of practical steps for us to take this morning. But I want to start by reminding us that devotion is a heart thing. It starts with the heart. We can run around doing loads of things, be really busy, and completely miss it. We can be busy for God, but our hearts can be far from him. He wants our hearts. And this is what God looks at. He says that in 1 Samuel 16. By the way, I've got loads of different verses, so it's really unfortunate. But if you've got your Bibles, that would be great. God doesn't, <clears throat> it says in 1 Samuel 16 that God doesn't look at the outward appearance like we do. He looks at our hearts. We might measure someone's walk with God and how far on a Sunday they put their hands up. Wow. But God wants a people who, are, who love being with him from the inside out. At the start of this year, I thought about the new year and I thought about a new job. And I took some time out to think through some goals for myself. Some things I really want to grow in and see happen. It's like a benchmark to keep coming back to during the year and to see how I'm doing. But the number one priority for me this year is to look back and say, I have a heart of life for God. More so than last year. A heart that beats for God. I want that. So many things compete for that top spot. I'd be kidding myself if I didn't think so. How do I cultivate that heart? I'm going to be jumping around, as I said, really in the Bible this morning. I want us to look at some things that I hope will be helpful for us to cultivate the heart. If you've got your Bibles, could you turn with me to Acts 13, verse 22? And it says this. It says, I have found in David, the son of Jess, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. A man after my heart. I long for that to be said about me. 
Surely this is what devotion is and then what it leads to. Who will do all my will, following hard after God in every area of our lives. Let me encourage you just to spend some time in your own devotions and your own reading of the Bible in the, in the book of 1 and 2 Samuel in the Old Testament. Just having a look at David, King David, and uh, the Psalms that he wrote just at every twist and turn of his life. Because I'm just going to be dipping in and out really today. But I just say dig into it at some point because it's really, really fruitful. I've been doing that recently. Because David, David was just a man. He did some pretty amazing things. Yes, he was a king. Yes, he was a warrior. But he was still just a person. He ate, he slept, he breathed. Like us, he was busy. He had responsibilities. He had family, friends. He had strengths and he had weaknesses and obstacles. There's a lot written about him in the Bible. He was gifted, but he was also imperfect. He didn't do a very good job at raising a family either. And he betrayed friends. And yet, the description of him in his life here is incredible, isn't it? A man after God's heart. David was passionate for God's glory and God's name over his own. I mean, he did get a reputation. His own name got a bit of a reputation. Listen to this. There's a song that they sung about him before he was even a king, which really must have rubbed the nose of the previous king in it. It says in 1 Samuel 18, it says, Saul, and they sung this about him, Saul has struck down his thousands, but David his ten thousands. I mean, that's got to go to your head, right? I mean, it's, it'd be very unethical for me right now to say I'd want that song about me. It'd be very unethical, but it's got to go to your head. Those things, the battles, the career, the reputation, they pale into insignificance in comparison to what God says about our lives. Who cares what car I drive, what's in my bank account, if that's what it's all about? C.T. Studd was a man who... He had riches and he had fame. He had it all. And when he met Jesus, he gave it up. He gave it all up. He, he became a missionary. He wanted to go and tell people about this Jesus that he had met. And uh, he said this quote. It's like a little bit of a poem that Hannah, my wife and I, have got hanging up in our kitchen to, just to remind us of our priorities. It says this. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. This description of David in Acts here that we're looking at is from 1 Samuel 13. And it's, it's one that God gave to David. Not another person, but God. David was consumed with God's glory. He wrote Psalm 24. And I think this was a bit of his life motto, really. In verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it. The earth is the Lord's. That's my life. My time, my finances, my home, Sidcup, this nation, this church, new community. It's all his. Do we live like that? David was like this with God. And Jesus was consumed with zeal for his father's house. So this is for us this morning. What does it mean to be a person after God's heart? Well, David had a heart that beat in time with God's. He wasn't perfect. He needed the grace of God just as we do. But he was a man passionate and abandoned to the Lord. He says in Psalm 119, he says, With my whole heart I seek you. With my whole heart I seek you. 
Being devoted to God is not going around being no fun, saying no all the time. It's not saying no to all of God's good gifts. It's not being super spiritual and head in the clouds. I think in David, we see a man who, was, who knew how to enjoy life. He, was, he had good friendships, music. He loved his job. I mean, it wasn't pretty, pretty not hard not to love his job, isn't it? He was a king. I reckon that's got to be up there. He was grounded and a man after God's heart. But to help us in our devotion to the Lord, I want us to have a look at a few things. And it's quite simple, really. David loved being with God. David loved his word. David talked to God. David loved his Holy Spirit. And David loved God's name. I told you it was a really very simple message this morning. It's not complicated. David was also a passionate worshipper, but we've spent the last six weeks looking at sing and singing and worship, so I'm not going to really touch that today. David loved being with God. Do we? Think about it for a moment. I mean, he really loved it. He loved God's presence. It's what stirred his heart. Where does that love come from? Because for David, God was his treasure, his gold. And he sought after God and chased him with all his heart. David wasn't passive in it. David longed and desired God. He wanted to live for him and he wanted to be involved in all that God was doing on the earth. David was obedient. But it wasn't the obedience of someone following the rules, doing what you're meant to do when you come to church. It wasn't the obedience that came out like a slavish fear. Oh, it was the, it's not the devotion that the Lord wants from us, but it is the devotion we often turn to. God had won David's heart. It was an obedience that flowed out of a deep love for God. He had poured grace over David's life. He had chosen to love David, and he's chosen to love us. In the, in the letter of Jude in the New Testament, Verse 21 says, keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself. It's active. We need to do something. And I think this is what strengthened David. David reminded himself of God's love. And it caused his heart to come alive to God. And this is what will strengthen us. Reminding ourselves of God's love in the gospel. David had gone from an overlooked youngest son, left alone to take care of his father's sheep, to a king of a nation. I mean, that's grace, right? In um, 1 Samuel 16, there's this great national leader, Samuel. He's a VIP in his day, and he had uh, invited David's dad, Jess, and all his family, all his sons, to this sacrifice. It was a great privilege. It's a bit like the queen coming to my house. I'd want to fluff my cushions a little bit. I want to hoover the carpet, dust and polish. I'd want all my family with me, all my kids with me. I mean, I'd have to prep them first because otherwise Her Majesty might get welcomed with Nerf gun pellets fired at her. So I'd have to tell them a little bit. But David's dad, Jess, didn't think very much about David. In fact, Samuel goes down the line and he's looking for the God's anointed. He's going down the line of sons. And he turns around to Jess and he says, are all your sons here? Which you'd think they would be. And Jess turns around and says, oh no, the youngest one, he's in the, he's in the field looking after the sheep. You, you don't want him, do you? I mean, it's outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. David was overlooked. And you might feel overlooked. Everyone else seems to know everyone. Others get asked to do stuff. 
You might want to come, just come along and slip away quietly at the end. But God didn't see David that way, and he doesn't see us that way. You can look at a man after God's heart in two ways, really. David was on God's heart. God chose David and loved him. And he chose us and he loves us. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians. And think about David as I read this. For consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. and Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. He chose us. He chose us when we couldn't choose him. Romans 5 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came for his treasure, his people. God's demonstrated his love for me while I was far from him. We love because he loves first. Doesn't this excite your heart? Grace changes everything. We can relax in God's grace. We're not required to prove our worth to him. If we know Jesus this morning, Jesus is our righteousness. I can't earn that by good works. In Christ, we stand complete and secure. We're no longer under condemnation. It's impossible to get God to love me any more or any less than he already does. His love for us in Christ is complete. If you don't know Jesus this morning, come and meet him. He wants to meet you. We'll pray for you after this meeting. We matter to God. We're not overlooked by him. And we need to remind ourselves of these truths and pursue them. David knew God's forgiveness and his his love deep down in his heart because he reminded himself of it. And it shaped his life and it will shape ours. There are no accidents in God. You're made for God by God. You're chosen by God for God. That's a countercultural statement there. God chose David in grace and David responded with a heart alive to him. Not passive. We're to be a responsive people. You don't just become a person after God's heart automatically. We need to cultivate it. David cultivated it. In Psalm 34 he says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. David invites us to taste and see that the Lord is good. We can. It's not just factual head knowledge. We can experience his love and goodness, his presence by the Holy Spirit. Some steps for us today. Preach the gospel to yourselves every day. Whether you follow Jesus for five minutes or 50 years, we don't move on from the gospel. Enjoy the relationship that you have with a father now who loves you. Think about the fatherhood of God. Jesus encourages us to do that. Where does, what does he say in the Lord's Prayer? He starts with our father. Our father. We're sons and daughters adopted into his family. He's not distant. He's not neglectful. He's interested in us. He loves to be close to his children. He's ready to hear our voices. Wanting the best for you. You don't have to wait. My kids are still at the age when they love to be with me. I pray that never changes. I come in from work and I am swamped. I just want a cup of tea. I want to unpack my bag. And they swamp me. They're tugging on my arm. They want want me to watch them do stuff. They They want me to just tell me the same things over and over again. Sometimes they just want to snuggle up to me when they feel tired. 
They love it. And I love it. I love their closeness. Think about that when you come to God. He's a father like no other. Remind yourself of the beautiful, these beautiful gospel truths. This is where our hearts come alive to God. We believe what God says about us. We understand our relationship to him in Jesus. We take the chains off of trying to earn it and just enjoy his grace. And it causes us to be filled with joy and love for him. This year, let's cultivate a love for being with God by enjoying his love. David loved God's word. Do we? Do we love the Bible? Are you hungry for it? David was. Listen to this in Psalm 119 again. He says, I have stored up your word in my heart. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. I could go on and on and on. David was passionate for God's word. And you know what? That leads to faith. David was a man of faith. And we can be tempted to think, you know what? We can't be anything like him. But what does it mean to be a person of faith? It simply means believing God. God loves faith. I mean, faith is God's gold. He seriously, he loves it. All who are saved get the gift of faith, but faith is like a muscle that can grow too. We can become full of faith, but it doesn't just happen. Being strong in faith isn't for a few special people. We can cultivate faith. God wants us to grow in it and become stronger. And he uses the circumstances in our life to do that. Very much like running a marathon. There's no two ways around it. It's hard and it's going to hurt. I wouldn't know because I've never done one. But I'd love to be able to say I have and I'd love to take the glory that comes with that. But the thought of running day in and day out through the cold winter month, through the rain and through the snow early in the morning, that's not so good to me. But that's where the marathon is really won, isn't it? Without that training, it's not going to happen. We all want to be men and women of great faith, to take risks and go for it in God, to take down giants like David does in his life, to the glory. How do we grow in faith day in and day out? Well, the Bible tells us that faith comes from hearing the word of God. Listen in Romans so 10. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We read our Bibles, we obey it, and then faith grows. Faith to take on giants. We need to read our Bibles. And when, when we do, faith grows. And what does it lead to? What does faith do? Well, here's an example in 1 Samuel 17, 4 to 11. It was going to be up, but it doesn't matter. I'll just explain it. The Israelites have been lined up in battle against the enemy, the, their enemy, the Philistines. But instead of all piling into battle together, the Philistines had used their special weapon, their trump card, Goliath the giant, nine feet tall. I'm imagining muscled like anything covered in armour, a brutal man. And he was standing there taunting the people of God day in, day out. And there was no one up for the fight. And it comes to the end in verse 11. And, and I asked the question, did Saul and his men react in faith against this Goliath? And it says, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Had they reminded themselves of who God is, or did they look at the giant and themselves and they were crippled by fear? There was no faith there. The giant was real when he loomed over them. Fear is a crippling thing. 
and it drives us to run away. When we, we can know lots of things, we can attend lots of meetings, but when we face giants, things we fear, our faith gets exposed. The rubber hits the road. There are giants all around us. It could be small, it could be big. It could be speaking out about Jesus. It could be saying no to an unhealthy lifestyle, food, drink, internet, whatever it may be. It could be our finances. Can I give money to the kingdom of God through the local church? It could be health. Three and a half years ago, in my previous job, I went for a routine medical. And I've, I've always passed and no problem, was fit as a fiddle. And I came to the lung function test and I, I went to blowing it as normal and I just couldn't do it. And the nurse sort of said a few things that weren't very helpful to me, to be honest. And, and I, I, I just couldn't do it and I failed this medical. And, and it was like in that moment, it's just suddenly, and I mean, it was probably irrational, but in that moment, I just had fear grip me. Like it just gripped me. And I, and I just felt like I couldn't breathe all of a sudden. There's something wrong and no one knows. It's gonna, something's going to happen to me. And I went back to London Bridge train station to get a train back to work. And I, I, I had what I now know is a panic attack. And I, I literally sat on the, uh, on the uh, side of the carriageway, side of the train, track and, and, I, and I collapsed and I grabbed the person next to me and I said to him get some help I dread to think what he thought but I was dripping with what sweat I was white I, was, I felt like I couldn't breathe the next thing I know these attendants were pushing me and saying hey have some water are you, you alright and over the next few months I had to go to the doctors the next few months I, I had a series of inconclusive tests no one really knows and, and I felt fear gripping me it was like anxiety and I had a series of what I can now describe as panic attacks or maybe asthma attacks because inconclusive tests have pointed towards that. I take a puffer now. And I did pass my medical again, but fear gripped me and it taunted me. It kept coming back. And Hannah, my wife, said to me, you're a different man. I don't know you. Until I picked up my Bible and I started reading it and reminding myself of who God was, is. I had to learn to, to battle my fear with the word of God. It's a choice. And it grew like this giant Goliath, the fear. It taunted me with lies about who God is. Is God really sovereign? Is he really in charge of your life? Is this a surprise to God? Maybe the stuff that God's put on your heart that you think is, he's calling you to do is just part of your own imagination. My fear had Goliath's status inside. It had it. Until I took hold of the Bible and what it says about my life being in God's hands. There are no accidents or surprises to our God. He is in charge. He is sovereign. And in him and his ways alone, we can trust. And of this I remind myself. I strengthen myself in God. And David did that. He wrote this in Psalm 20. He says, some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Declare that. Of course, go to the doctors. It's, it's great. But the, the, for the fear, I used, and I still use, the only weapon that's described in, in Ephesians 6 is armour of God. It's the sword of the Spirit. It's the word of God. We have Goliaths, giants in our lives. If we don't now, we will. Let's not be like the cowering Israelites who paid a lip service to a God that they didn't know. Because this is David's reaction. Because he knew he's God. 
It says in 1 Samuel 17, it says 32, it says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. That's faith in God. David had a big view of who God is and he measured everything by this. He knew God's promises. He knew God. Do we? Do we think about what God, who God is and what he's done? The Lord is with us. He will never leave or forsake us. Greater is he than he who is in the world. Our future is certain in God. Whatever you, we're going through, pick up the word of God. Remind yourself of it. It's a lamp to our feet. It's our guide. And it's, our wonder, it's a wonderful treasure that God's given us. David meditated on the Bible daily, on the scriptures. Let me encourage us not to neglect his treasure. Feed on it every day and you will grow in God. Use it to battle the giants in your life. Use it to spur on your love and your devotion to him because it goes hand in hand in that. Study it. Find a training partner to, to, to encourage you in that. Married couples, encourage one another in your reading. Parents, point your kids to it. Believe it in faith, even when all around us say it's got nothing to offer the 21st century. This year, let's be devoted to the word of God. David, talk to God. Prayer can be hard. That's real. Jesus says to his disciples in Luke 18, he says, and he told them a parable or a story to the effect that they ought always to pray and not give up. Prayer can be hard. But David loved being with God. And when you love being with someone, you want to talk to them. I want to talk to my wife, Hannah, so much so that she says, will you stop sometimes? But I just keep going. Flows out of me. It happens when we're with good friends. In Christ, that's who we are, who God calls us now. Friends of God. He wants our friendship. But we have to cultivate this, just like we do with any other friends. So we pray. But it's not always easy. We know that it can be hard. We know it can be a struggle. David did have to learn to pray. You can read that. He didn't always find it easy. He learned, and so can we. You read that he didn't always ask God about every decision in his life, and that ended up with some very messy choices. But when he had learned to talk to God, he really started moving forward. D.L. Moody, the church leader, once said that Christ's soldiers fight best on their knees. Prayer, a talking to God, talking to our Father. It's a wonderful gift. Think about it. The all-powerful sovereign, the one who's placed the stars in the sky, who holds the universe in his hand, he wants to hear my voice. That's amazing. The Lord calls us to be a praying people. He taught us in Matthew 6 how to pray. You can read it and follow Jesus' way. It will stir you to pray for God's glory first. It teaches us to rely on him. It teaches us to care and think about what matters to him. We're called to pray individually and corporately together. It joins our hearts as we pray together. And Jesus called the church a house of prayer. So it should be a priority to us. It was a priority to him, the son of God. He modelled throughout the Gospels, taking time out to pray to his father. David wanted more of God in his life. He wanted to, to know God's heart in all he did. What was the right path for him? So he sought God, which means he prayed. And he learned to pray in prayer that, to give the, the Lord first place. Not near the top of his priority list, but number one, pray. Pray, pray. Things happen when we talk to God. Because we're not throwing up empty words and positive speak. 
Prayer is a gift and it's to the Lord. We want to know how to pray? Well, here's some steps for us. A first step could be to read Matthew 6 and learn from Jesus. That would be quite a good idea, wouldn't it? To, to learn from him. Another step would be just to get with others and pray. Find someone that you admire in prayer and listen to them as you pray. Ask them if you can spend some time. To pray, really, we just have to pray. We can read all the books about it, but really we just need to do it. Having said that, I just want to really recommend this book here, A Praying Life by Paul Miller. It's absolutely fantastic. It's so helpful in your prayer life. Come to our revival prayer nights. They're here at the second Thursday of every month where we come and pray for God's kingdom together to come in this nation. Come to our week of prayer, which is starting the 18th, 19th and 20th of September and pray with us. Put it in your diary. There's a lot to say about prayer. But simply pray. And as you do, you will grow in God and you can pray the Bible back to him. You can tell God your whole heart. In Jesus, we have full confidence that he hears us. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. And don't be satisfied with where you are, because there's always more in God. Listen to the words here in um, Psalm 63. I love this psalm that David writes. He says this, he says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. That's prayer. It becomes a hungering and a thirsting after God, seeking him early and often, wanting more of him. This year, let's be a people devoted to prayer. Next, David loved his Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit. David was filled with the Holy Spirit from the day that he got anointed with oil by Samuel. And 1 Samuel 16 says, and 13 says, From that day on, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, came powerfully upon David. From that day on. He loved to be in God's presence and walk in the Spirit. He loved to hear the sound of God's voice over and over again in the Psalms. You read that. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's for all who believe in Jesus. If you haven't been baptised in the Spirit, get someone to talk it through with you and pray with you. Read and study in Jesus' life and particularly in, in, and in Acts and in particularly Acts 10. Jesus was baptised in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give us power to live for Jesus and to boldly tell others about him to be witnesses. He changes things in our lives. But I want to stress this, and it's not a, it's not a one-off thing. See, what I just said in that verse, in 1 Samuel 16, it says, from that day on. You see, the previous king, King Saul, had been a man who had tasted the Spirit and known his presence. He'd relied on the one-off experience. He'd started to rely on himself and his own strength. He'd started to believe the hype of his own name. And he forgot that God was the one who gave him the power to do it all. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5, he says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't waste your time getting filled with whatever it is, wine, whatever. Pursue the Spirit. Pursue him. Paul says here, be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled. Continue to be. Daily invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. Because we're a needy and dependent people. Instead of being filled by the Holy Spirit, we try to work it all out ourselves. We try to be independent, try to fill ourselves up with other things. Some of us, myself included, can try and quickly try and work it all out myself. I can face that problem if I just keep calm. 
I can be a better husband or friend or whatever it is. I can forgive that person. I can, I can, I can. Can we? He wants to come and give us the power to do those things. He wants to make us courageous. He wants to help us to be obedient to God and to do all his will. He wants to guide us in our decisions. We let him. He won't force himself upon us. He's gentle. What peace comes from walking in the Holy Spirit daily? Saul's life, the King Saul, he had lost peace and joy. Instead, he had turned to, it turned to distress and depression. And it seems that Saul could actually, you read through in the accounts, you could, so Saul could actually see David, the Spirit's work on David's life. He invites him in to play him music to soothe him in some of his depressive episodes. You can read that. And here's the Holy Spirit. God is holy and he wants a holy people. As we're filled with the Holy Spirit, he helps us and stirs us in our love of God's holiness. Do we long for God's holiness to cover the earth? Do we hate sin in our lives? David loved God's holy ways, but he messed up. And so do we. So his example is helpful. He did some terrible things. And one sin led to another. He committed adultery with a friend's wife. And she fell pregnant and he tried to cover it up by having his, his friend killed. And then that's what sin does. It, it goes on and on and on. One thing leads to another and we get more and more entangled in its deceit. This is a, a terrible moment in David's life. He totally messed up. How can a, a man capable of such things be considered a man after God's heart? David, and this is the key, David learned how to truly repent. Not just a remorseful, I've been caught out, I'm sorry. A turning the other way from sin. That's what the word repentance means. It means I was going this way and I'm turning this way. David wrote the Psalm 51. I'm running out of time, so I'm not going to go into it. But at this time, it contains a true understanding of what repentance from sin really looks like. Read Psalm 51. Seriously, have a read at some point. This is what repentance looks like. And actually, it's a victory cry for Christians because we can repent because of the grace and mercy of God. We can ask God to help us in life, not just to say no, to have self-control, but to actually hate it, hate sin, and to love his holy ways. Because the Holy Spirit, he's the helper. We can ask God to help us live radically for him in a culture that does what, where everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Let's be a radical people in our repentance. And once it's dealt with before God, it's finished. It's done. God wants us in relationship with him. He wants us to keep short accounts with him. When we do wrong, we mess up. He doesn't want us to keep our distance. Oh, I'm not worthy. I can't come into his presence. He wants us to come running into his arms to get rid of that weight that holds us down. And when we do, he comes running right back. Get rid of it properly. Learn from Psalm 51. And the final thing on the Holy Spirit is as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, he will bring a wonderful assurance and confidence in who we are in Christ. Romans 8 says, 8.14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, sons and daughters of God. Don't neglect him. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Invite him daily and you'll know strength and power in your walk with God. Don't be like King Saul who relied on this past experience. But be like David where it says, from that day on. This year, let's be devoted to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And finally, last point is David loved God's name. 
As we do these things, as we cultivate our, our love and our devotion to the Lord, as we spend time in his word, as, we, as we're filled with the spirit and we pray, things happen. We stop looking for our own glory and start living for God's glory. Your earth is the Lord's. David lived for this. It gave him purpose. It led him to fight battles. And when we gather together, it should be our longing to encounter the glory of God here. Jesus loves his church. He longs for it for us. How do we feel about it? Do we love being together? We just, just attend. Do we love encountering God together? Are we passionate about serving one another or, or being served? Do we prioritise the giving of our finances to, the, to seeing the God's kingdom advance through the local church? Do we love one another? That's a good test for us. Our lives are not our own. The way we live should be different from the way everyone else lives. We should, it should be distinguishable. David had good friendships, good godly friendships like Jonathan, he talks about, who helped him to walk in God's ways. Do, are we cultivating good godly friendships with one another? Do we encourage each other and build each other up in Christ? Are we discipling others and being discipled? Discipleship and community are essential for us to grow in our devotion to the Lord. We can all play our part in this. Let's be active in this and not passive. Come and play your part. We all have a part to play in God's adventure in this church family. We need one another as brothers and sisters standing together. A first step might be to join a community. Get stuck in. There's loads. Don't just come along on a Sunday, but respond and step out and join with others. Because the bigger picture is family. Second step might be, hey, lead a community. Start one that reaches out to all those who don't know Jesus around us. Get a heart for those around us. Impact Sidcup with the gospel in word and deed. Could be to serve on a host team. The guys in blue t-shirts, they welcome us each week, don't they? And they get to know guests. They serve us so well each week. I want to say thank you to you. Come and play a part in teaching and training of future church planters and kingdom builders in our kids and our youth ministry. It's a growing work. I mean, you've seen them when we have baptisms. They just come out on and on and on it goes. It's great. And it's an amazing privilege getting to serve them. It's a big need for people, men and women, passionate about shaping the next generation. Godly men and women who are qualified by what? The gospel alone. They need to see those who love Jesus. Do we live for God's passion for people, those all around us who don't know him, the community that we're part of? How do we impact Sidcup, our neighbours, our workplaces? Because Jesus commands us to go and make disciples of every nation. In Matthew, we have a purpose. Do we live for God's glory or do we want some glory? Are we more bothered about our names, about new communities' names, or the name of Jesus? Jesus is gathering a beautiful bride from every tribe and every tongue and every people group, all washed whiter than snow in the precious blood of Jesus. We're a motley crew. Just have a look around. But we're called to take on some battles ahead, to take kingdom ground in this area, in this community. You might look around and think, really, what, us lot? But his answer is yes, you and I together, standing in grace, filled with the Spirit, going boldly out in the promises of God in faith. Let's be a people after God's heart who does all he wills. Let's do the things that stir our hearts up in passion for Jesus. This year, let's be devoted to the Lord. 
The band are going to come back up now. We're going to have a, sing a final song in response. And we stand together, please. I'm just going to read as they come back up. Read, pray. Part of what David did to remind himself, he wrote Psalm 103. Why don't we close our eyes? It says this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all our sin, who deals with, heals all our diseases, you, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, and who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Bless the Lord, Lord, we want to fix our eyes upon you. Lord, we want to be a devoted people to you. We want to give our all to you, but God, come help us to help us to remind ourselves that it starts with your love for us. Help, help us to remind ourselves it's us relying on you, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us even afresh now. Will you come and stir our hearts to live for your glory in all we do, in every area of our lives. Lord, will you help us to be a passionate people, a people who love your name, Jesus. Oh, God, there's no one like you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love, Lord. Love you, Lord.